For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com this is the last minute blues podcast with jeff burton donnie fandango and former blues defenseman jamie rivers it is the last minute blues podcast donnie fandango and jeff burton from 1057 the point and our dude former blue as well as midday host over at 101 espn jamie rivers what's up boys hi lot you mr fandango how, how goes it everybody yeah, it's, well? it's great over here but i want to bring up what you said earlier because i'm a guy who really really gives a crap about what i look like when it comes to radio like you know i always like to have yeah. nice jeans on a decent pair of shoes that are clean i took some time over last week and actually clean my shoes and and a decent oh. something you know whatever and i can't imagine how much this is killing you you thought you liked that shirt and you've been wearing it all day and you don't really dig it no no i hate it actually That's, that would crush me okay i thought it was a punishment because he was on the riz oh, show this stop. morning i thought that shirt was a punishment <laughs> no being on the riz, getting up that, that <laughs> early that is much. a punishment <laughs> that's the punishment is getting up that early no, man, it, <laughs> it feels, that would crush me i'm just saying it feels like it's like almost like a tie-dye thing and I know it's not, but like it just kind of has that feeling to it. And when I bought it, I bought it online. Uh-huh. I, it just didn't look the same. But you know, man, I, I get a lot of my T-shirts for eight bucks when they run sales at Macy's.com. Mm-hmm. So this was an eight dollar mistake. Huh. You can hardly tell Macy's. There is sponsorship available, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So L M. BP at 1057thepoint.com. I just am going to keep this thing going for as long as we can to see how long it takes you to struggle with it, man. Well, it's like saying, it's, i got to go last minute blues podcast, know where the B and the P goes, like you have to sing Mississippi when you... <laughs> that's, I got it. That's Dude, that's fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, that would crush me, so you're handling it well. No, dude, we're doing all right. And, yeah. and I, you Why, know, What's man, wrong with the shirt? There's nothing wrong with it. I dig it, even though I, can't, I don't like the band that's on there. I, I'm not a fan of theirs. But uh, what I'm saying is I get if you're wearing a shirt and you get to work and you go, oh, my God, I hate this shirt, and you're here all day. I well, don't get it either, Jamie. Okay, I, I, I love, I'm just not following right now. I like, lo- I'm I not lo- being a jerk. I'm really – I thought you were genuinely like making fun of his shirt. That's no, why I no, piled no, on. I said earlier that I didn't like it. No, no I told him earlier I that I didn't like it. I was like, okay, it's pile on Donnie time. <laughs> and we can always, always come on you to pile on. Now, I, now so I'm just you. a jerk. Is That's there, all there is to it. Now, he says, now, now he's a jerk. Is there a hockey agenda for the show? I mean, we've, we've got some hockey things to all talk right. about for sure. I think a nice place to start, a fun place to start, uh, as a guy that did not like those jerseys in the 90s. Man, it was badass seeing them last night. It was. They looked great, and I don't want them to be a regular thing, but the way that they are spaced out, what a really rad, rad thing, and everybody, for the most part, seemed to like them. I liked it a lot. I went to the game. I saw that, and I and I flashed back, and honestly, I know I'm always blowing sunshine up Jamie Rivers' skirt, but it brought me back to watching you play as well, and Jimmy Campbell, and I even looked up Harry freaking York. Do you yeah. remember that? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. Costin was playing. You know, my new daddy, he was out there playing last <laughs> night, and I saw 37. I was like, how do I remember that? And it was him and Jeff Finley, I believe, both wore 37. Oh, my God. Yeah. At different times. Yeah, no, right? you're right. I thought yeah. Jeff Finley played for the Angels. I had no idea that was the name from the NHL, oh, yeah, man. Defense. Been very yeah, soft he played here for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's a good defenseman, just uh, not exactly a beater. You no, know? he was Joel Quenville's exact 
like his blueprint, right? Because Coach Q was never like a flashy defenseman. He was ugliest stick on the team, shoot it off the glass, play safe, cross-check guys in front, and just that's it, right? Just get the puck to the skill guys. Just Yeah, don't yeah. touch the puck too much. Just get it to the skilled guys. And that's how Jeff Finley was. So, he, and, and the other guy that I was thinking of, so we can move past this, sorry, is no. if is if Pareko would have been allowed to wear number 44 last night, he would have looked just like Chris Pronger from back of the day. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. There's a lot of similarities for sure. Um, Pareko a little meatier, though, I think, than when sure. Pronger first got here because, boy, I remember him being a rail, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, and and prongs too. We used to call him Beetlejuice because he had that low wee head, you know. So you walk in the room, you're like Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, but he's great about it because he would call me the wet rat. And, you know. What what number were you? Were you twenty or six with those jerseys? Six. You were six. Yeah, okay. no, six the the whole time with those. Six through the transition too, to when we went to the newer model when they got away from the red, which was you know a, a great day too. But to your point on this one last night. I was, uh, we did the Cans of Glory thing last night. Sure, Helen yeah. Fitzgerald's mm-hmm. is a great time. We, you know, having a blast. Having is a cu- every single person that I slept with in high school still hang out there? <laughs> uh, their children do. Oh. <laughs> it's weird. Just one guy. Any of them be, look like they long beard. Hair. Oh, right. I was like, oh. Anyway. I was like, wow. Jeff anyway. Burton's daughter with a beard. <laughs> no, anyways. Um, but watching the game on, on TV, it was so weird, guys. I'm not going to lie. Like, the last time I watched a game on. With those jerseys, I'm in the game, and it's like a VHS tape of, like, the ESPN game of the week. You know, and you got, like, two games that you could watch throughout the whole week, yeah. and that was it. Yeah. And the Blues did a masterful job, or, or Fox Sports Midwest, rather. They had the graphics, like the old-time graphics. So I was like, okay, I've had a beer and a half here, but I feel <laughs> shit-faced <laughs> because what am I doing here? Like, my brain is playing tricks on me. And it was funny because you're watching the guys skate around, and you're like, God damn, like – that's not Jim Campbell. That's right. Braden Shannon. Yeah. You know, you work your way through the lineup, and it's just, it was funny. I, I thought, like, to your point, Donnie, specifically on this, was that, yes, the way they space it out, I can handle this. And, in fact, I really thought it was neat. Yeah. Because on a regular basis, look, I'm not shy to say I'm not a fan of those jerseys. It wasn't, um, you know, a big deal for us to wear those jerseys. Uh, but the way they set it up, and when you watch them come out last night, Bennington's got the Cujo oh, mask. Oh, like, I got awesome. goosebumps. Come I, on, I right? Goosebumps. And also, Pretty too, cool. for our mid-market blues, this is a freaking marketing freaking goldmine. How many freaking of those jerseys are going to be under Christmas trees in yeah, six weeks, yeah, there, I saw a lot of people that had purchased them and put current blues names on the back of them just That's for cool. last night. That was That's pretty cool. neat. Yeah, I so, mean, they're going to sell Well, the blues, the revenues, right? Think about it. They got the regular jerseys that they wear all the time, and yep. then they got those... Uh, winter classic ones that the Blues, they wear, which, are so which slick. I think are the best jersey ever in the NHL, by the way. And now they've got a fourth one. So give somebody, if everybody has a different flavor of what they like, anybody now can have a jersey that they like. And at the same time, puts money back in the pockets of the St. Louis Blues, which I'm sorry, it's relevant. The reason it's relevant is because it allows Tom Stillman and his ownership group to continue to put a cap team on the ice every year. Yeah. So let's, you know, support the Blues. I know we talk about, oh, these guys have lots of money. Our ownership is not the the Jerry Jones here of the NHL. Right. They work their asses off just to be able to put a cap team together. So let's support them. I mean, you, you would have to say, I don't mean to interrupt you, Jeff, but I mean, you would have to say that probably the Blues ownership, as far as like overall wealth goes, they're certainly not in the top half. I mean, it's like a group of people. Yeah. Like, and- like 
Interesting story. Sorry to cut you no. off. But if I don't think of it or say it, I'll forget it, and then I'll just pee in the corner. Same. It's weird. <laughs> Again. Again. But, yeah, your ownership group is small, and, and you know everybody says, oh, it's a small market team, small market team. It is, 100%. So think about that. You have a small market team, but you're spending big market dollars. That's If you're doing business 101, it's like, oh, the cost of my product to make it is costing me more than I make. That's a bad investment. I shouldn't be running this business. Sure. But the Blues are. And last year's playoff run, going as deep as they did and winning the Cup, that allowed the minority partnership the chance to purchase those other shares that check it and all those criminals left town with. And so now rather than getting an outsider coming in and purchasing 20 21% of the team, they were able to take that 21% and filter it through the minority group here in St. Louis to keep it local because Tom Stillman freaking loves that. My opinion on those jerseys is that I liked them, but I wasn't like overtly. It's like having that significant other like that girlfriend or that boyfriend when you were growing up that you really dig them, but you didn't really want to take them out in public because everybody would laugh at them. You know what I mean? Ugly? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But but when you wore them, it just felt so good. Yeah. Okay. Am I, going I, I mean, wrong, I know. Am I going down the wrong? <laughs> no, you're going a very Jeff Burton direction. No, no you're going I, exactly <laughs> like where I I'm I'm feeling you right now. Yeah, you I know, know what I'm trying to exactly say, but saying, I don't talk for. But a living, I just so. don't know. Oh, truly, um, uh, but I just don't know how deep we want to go. Yeah, on this I, one? I guess I guess <laughs> what I'm saying is I liked them, but I'm not proud that I liked them. Oh. And I was telling I was telling uh, uh, the guys at Alex Ferrario last night I I liked them because they were different. You know, they were very different. And everybody, as everybody knows, and I like different. And I thought it was it doesn't need to be an all time jersey. Yeah. Yes, maybe that was the mistake. Maybe something like that should have been a third jersey back in the day. Yeah, to your point, it should have been like a one-off, kind of like they're doing right now. Correct. But to your other point of, you know, kind of the old girlfriend, I always compared that to, it's like riding a moped, right? Yes. Everybody knows mopeds are super fun to drive and you have a blast, but you really don't want anybody to see you riding the moped. Yeah, you you don't... You enjoy the hell out of a moped, but you don't want Twitter to find any pictures of no. you on said moped. Or your buddies. Yeah. And it's a, so it's a good uh, uh, revenue generator. So you know what's next year? The trumpet jerseys. No. Oh, no. <laughs> no. We gotta, Jeffrey. We got to stop, man. Stop, Jeffrey. Come stop. on. Truth okay, be but, told, you guys in the locker room loved those. Come no. On. Okay. Oh. First of all, they never saw the light of day. Thank uh, God. Yeah. But if, if people, whoever's listening right now, you can Google it, okay? So to know what we're talking about and not just think we're crazier than we already are, Google Blues Trumpet Jersey, and this thing's going to pop up, and you're going to vomit, so have a bag nearby or a a bucket, but they were awful. You're not going to think it's real. I didn't think it was real. It was a real concept proposed to the team, and it wasn't as a full-time jersey. It was as a alternate jersey, and I don't know who saw it and actually, like, stomped it out. My opinion would be probably the first person who saw it. (laughs) The person who designed it went, hmm. I can't imagine the person who designed it was still employed by the end of the day. Uh, But it was pretty hideous. And we were like, wow, did we dodge a bullet on that one? You know what? Really looking back at it. Yes, right. (laughs) I think I said this last time we talked about it. But when I see it now, it reminds me of the jerseys in the roller hockey league. Yeah. Remember those jerseys, mm-hmm. you know, or the remember the the roller hockey leagues that like outside on the beaches that you used to see on yeah, the yeah, ESPN yeah, yeah, yeah. That Absolutely. reminds me of those. That's so. a great point. Yeah, man, that's a really great point. So outside of great jerseys last night, the Blues flipping drilled the Flames. Vince Dunn 
knocked a dude, I mean, legitimately back to Manitoba or whatever the hell My Calgary dad used is. to say, Alberta. hit him. Alberta. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. My dad used to say, hit him so hard his clothes are out of style. <laughs> I mean, they, you know, you. I keep waiting for the injuries to catch up and not to say that there won't be some time when you lose these kind of guys, but, and I know Calgary's struggling, but dude, they looked really good last night. The Blues really looked good and they continue to find ways to, to figure it out and to win. Yeah, look, uh, Craig Berube has always been, since he's taken over the Blues anyways, he's always been very able to put line combinations together and figure things out. To me, he's one of the best in the league at bench management, for one thing, but also tweaking his lineup. And knowing, for some reason, knowing when to put a guy in, when to take a guy out, when to switch lines. And to me, the gem that he's uncovered here is putting Robert Thomas back to center ice, his natural position, the position he was drafted to play in the NHL, and flanking him with Zach Sanford, who's a big body, not overly physical. He does have a lot of high-end talent, which nobody really knows, but I can tell you from working with this guy, he's got a lot of high-end talent. And then you have Oscar Sundquist out there, too, which is Mr. Reliable right now. So Craig Berube's options are not limited. And now that they're scoring goals the way they are, other teams are going to have a really, really hard time uh, matching up against that line. And if they draw the the crappy matchup to where, you know, my partner Anthony Stalter brought up, he goes, well, what if on the road Team X puts their best line out there against them? Now you got Robert Thomas playing down low. Well, that's an easy fix. Craig Berube goes, hey, boys, hey, listen, Sonny, you take center this shift. Thomas, you go to right wing. And now you have your power down low to take care of those other guys who are your top offensive guys or big bodies. Now you got Sonny back down low where he does a lot of great work and you put Thomas on the wing where he can't be exposed. So it's to me, it's a great setup right now. And to your point about injuries, this doesn't happen if they don't have injuries. The reason I say that is because Tyler Bozak would be back on that third line and center. He wouldn't be on the first line. Alexander Steen would be somewhere. The trickle-down effect would happen, and you wouldn't have uncovered this Little gem. I have a little bit of the the coming schedule in front of me if you need help with that. But who's going to be the test for these younger guys? Who's going to be the test that's coming up? Is it Tampa on Wednesday? Is it Pittsburgh coming up? Is it Chicago in Chicago? Or is it all three of them? Who's the big test coming up for these well, guys without Tarasenko, Steen, Blay? Look, I think their next four games, too, I think they got Nashville this Twice. Saturday, yeah. right? I think yeah. they play here. I know they play here Saturday against Nashville. And then after that, I believe they have Tampa. Well, they got they got they're in Nashville Monday. Okay, right? so they yeah. go home and home. Yeah, okay, yeah. so that to me, Jeff, to your point, that's exactly the biggest test right there because these these are heated. You know, I don't care that Nashville's two six and two in their last ten. I don't care about that because you guys know as well as I do. Even when you played Chicago, when they weren't the Chicago Blackhawks the last couple of years, those are still like. Big games. The intensity level rises, and you don't know what you're going to get at that point. So to me, these two games against the Predators, this is when you're going to see it because the matchups are going to happen. You're going to get those coaching moves where you're tweaking lineups. You're you're matching this against that. And then you're going to have success that you learn from. You're going to have failures that you learn from. So their coach, too, Peter Laviolette, he's going to do an incredible job of trying to match up, too, especially when he gets them on the back-to-back on the home. You know, that, yeah. that's going to be the big thing is how do you handle your home game as far as structure and systems, and then how do you tweak it to remain successful on the road with these young guys 
in bigger roles than they're used to. Can you talk a bit about the change from playing center and, and the wing? The center, if I'm not mistaken, you're, you're coming back and forth. You're playing defenses. You're coming back to play D as well. With the with the wingers, maybe you're not having to come and pinch back as much? Yes, yeah, no? no, you're not far off. Okay. Okay, which is too bad because I wanted to say no. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you look, the center position, he's kind of the supporting cast all over the ice. And so he has to occupy a lot greater area of actual ice. And, yes, defensively, his job is a lot diff- more difficult because he ends up down low below the hash marks in the defensive zone, sometimes below the goal line, helping out the defensemen as the other teams are trying to work the corners or work the front of the net. And where that differs a little bit is the wingers now, traditionally, the wingers would stay up higher on the D near the blue line. But now teams have evolved defensively over the years, and they've learned that if you shrink – the five guys, which you'll hear that a shrink or a swarm, those that's terminology of stacking five guys on one side of the ice where the puck is, or shrinking to the house, which is the, you know, the prime real estate in front of the net. They've learned that by doing that, you push the puck out, puck out to the perimeter, and then you can always, you know, come out of the shrink and front the puck for a block or get a stick on it. It's a lot easier that way than having to dive back to the house to cover a guy. Sure. So he will get some support that way from other forwards who come into the play. But that's the biggest difference. And then once they get the puck, that's the key for me with Robert Thomas, is once they get the puck, he's able to be creative all over the ice where the wingers, even though the the role has expanded over the years, they're still kind of north-south, up and down the highways, we'll call them on the wings, where the centerman, he gets to weave all over the place. He gets to be creative and, and create offense that way. And, you know, so far that's kind of what Robert Thomas, not kind of, it was, it's exactly what he was drafted for. Okay, so I'm going to take a little bit of a hard left here because you made me think of something I've wanted to ask you for a very long time is you talked about how there's still going to be a rivalry with uh, the Blues and, and Nashville, even though Nashville's down, and uh, the Blues and Blackhawks over the years, always been rivals. How did you, when you, the first time you played Chicago as a Blue, you had no emotional investment in that. It wasn't a bitter rivalry like Donnie and I were sitting there yelling at the Chicago players and stuff. So did that naturally pump you up because you knew you were wearing a blue note so you had to do that for the fans? Or how does that? How do you get pumped up as That's your first question. time in that rivalry yeah. game? That's a great question. It really is. And, and the way it kind of evolves itself is the coaches staff starts talking about it and the players do. So the games or the days leading up to those games – and look, we've all seen the videos, right? The less available in the past to where, you know, you couldn't just pull up social media and see the five-on-five brawls, which mm-hmm. happened back in the day. But you had the coaching staff saying, hey, look, we've got a huge game, big rivalry game. People around town are talking about it. So, you know, the fact that I hadn't been a part of the Blues-Blackhawks rivalry is one thing, but I had been a part of several rivalries in junior hockey and in the minors, so you know what those rivalries encompass. And you know... You better get jacked up. You better be home the night before the game. Get your rest. Eat your Wheaties. Get ready to go because it's go time. And let's be honest, the rivalry back then was probably, you know, the the, the number one thing was the physicality. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the, the skill right away. Now, the skill players were the ones who could get through the physicality and make an impact. Like, people don't give Brett Hull enough credit for the beatings that he would take physically over the years and still find a way to get open and put the puck in the net. And, you know, obviously we had guys like Twister and Chaser. I mean, we had a whole bunch of guys you could throw down. But, yeah, that's the main, the biggest thing is you hear the guys talk about it. And then, like, I had Al McInnes, and, and Al would be like, hey, listen, kid, I'll tell you what, anything you've experienced before, 
yeah, forget about that. This is a whole other animal. And the first time I played, wow, the- and you have Al McKinnis saying that to you. You know what I mean? Dude. Yeah. What Jeff Finley saying? It was <laughs> <Al McInnes. laughs> yeah, it wasn't Finner. Um, but my first experience was in Chicago at the old stadium. And, and for people who don't know what that looked like or haven't seen it at all, is you went off the ice at the end, like behind your net. And after warm up, and the stairs were about five or six inches wide, deep. And you have your skates on, and you're going down like ten to twelve stairs, maybe a little, maybe fifteen, to your locker room. So your locker room was actually like underground, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird as it is. But when you come off of there, like you got to be careful because those those stairs are like steep and they're not wide. In the very first warm up, I came off the ice, and I knew you talk about things. Well, how did you know you were in a rivalry here? Well, this moment I knew because I kind of stopped, and I'm trying to get down the stairs. And a Blackhawks fan takes a full beer and throws it in my face wow. as I'm going down the stairs. Whoa. So now you kick back, and I fell on my ass down the stairs. And now I'm trying to climb back up and get to this guy and the security guys and right. everybody. You know, but I knew you then. To okay, get him a fresh beer is what you were talking about. Oh right? yeah, I want to get him a fresh beer. All right, <laughs> yeah. hey, let me help you out with that, sir. <laughs> right. But I knew then. I'm like, okay. So these guys, they don't even know me, and they hate my guts, mm. and they just threw a beer in my face. I smell like beer, which is okay. I like yeah, beer. Right. Yeah, you probably already did anyway. <laughs> probably, I, it actually, kind of helped me, <laughs> right? But then I knew. So yes, you know the intensity was there. Yeah, 100. percent Wow, man, that's it. God, that is incredible. I was yeah. I was about 12 years old when the first time that I went to Old Chicago Stadium, and uh, it was Blues Blackhawks, and uh, it was the first time that I had been cussed at by a grown up. <laughs> a guy told me to shut. That wasn't the- named Dad, dude. Dude, it was, dude. He told me to shut the fuck up, oh and I was my. like, I was like, whoa, wow, whoa, whoa, and so it was, but it was. One of the most well, did amazing experiences. <laughs> I didn't say anything for a while, man. I was a big burly son of a bitch, man. I was twelve. I was like fifty pounds. But it was it was but but it was it's really great for me to be able to say that I went to that old Chicago stadium. I mean, it was so loud. That anthem. I well, hate the Hawks, but that it was amazing. To speak of the anthem too, like you see it on TV, it's one thing, and you think, okay, the camera's shaking. Like, is it just the guy? Like, did he have too many beers the night before? You're right. not sure. You're standing there, and I remember starting in that game. I don't know why. Somebody must have had too many beers. But I was on the ice, and the place is shaking, and the the dust from the ceiling or the asbestos right, yeah, would, yeah. was, like, falling. And you're wow. like, what the hell am I getting into here? And you don't even know when the national anthem's over simply because they've been cheering the whole time. It's so loud. You're kind of looking around, and it's like, oh, okay. Well, I guess it's go time now. But, yeah, you kind of shit in your pants. I'm not going to lie. You're looking over at their bench, and they've got, like, five guys that are foaming at the mouth to literally take your head off and parade around the ice with it. Yeah. A little bit intimidating. You know what? There's one thing in the NHL that I – man, when I saw this news break this week, dude, I could not wait until our podcast. So there was a head coach that was was let go uh, a couple days ago. And I want to read a tweet from a, a former hockey player by the name of Mike Commodore. Commodore. Oh, Mike. Yeah. All right. Yeah, commie. And, Love uh, this guy. <clears throat> here is his statement concerning one ex-head uh, coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Hey, Mike Babcock, your daily national TV time is over. Finished. You are a fraud. Nobody gives a shit what you have to say anymore. Let that sink in, you arrogant prick. Wow. 
Send. Whoa. Send. So you feel good. Well, he's got like. So I went back and I did a little bit of homework as to the hate there. Like All why? Right? Just just Where to kind of try from. to see why. And I guess one of the stories sounded strangely similar to something that Jamie had said about being in Detroit, mm-hmm. going to Detroit, thinking that they were going to get a certain amount of playing time. Then Babcock, for whatever reason, just benching him. Right. Ken Holland stepping in saying, hey, play this friggin' guy. They played him once, sat him back. You know, sat him back up in the press box all the whole time. Commodore feeling as though he has been told one thing and another thing is completely happening. But he friggin' hates that guy too. So the backstory on that, okay? Yeah. You guys have heard my hatred for Babcock, yes. right? Yes, absolutely. he is an arrogant prick. He's a piece of shit. He's all those things. Anything you want, any adjective that's negative, you can put underneath his Wikipedia page. This isn't as bad as what you just said, but I always call him chapstick because he looks like he needs chapstick all the time. Like, that's <laughs> yeah, because he's name. all right. Uh, all right. <clears throat> anyways, because he's on... from the cold temperatures. Yes, yes. very cold. Yes. Go ahead. Go, 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 go. His mouth. Stop Um, it. Anyways. Yeah. So this deal here, my situation was I was signed before Mike Babcock got there uh, to a two-year extension by Kenny Holland. And so obviously it's like, okay, I'm in the plans. And I just come off a a really good year with the Red Wings and probably one of my best professional career or years of my career. He got there and did the same thing. Just was like, we're going to ice the kicker here, basically. I don't want Rivers part of it. Well, Commodore was an unrestricted free agent. And he was available at a big, tough, right-handed shot defenseman. And Kenny Holland reached out to him, and Commodore was like, he'd already had a past experience in Anaheim with Babcock, and it didn't go great. So he flat-out asked Kenny Holland, he's like, okay, is this guy going to screw me over? Like, why why does he want me now? And they went through a thing, and then Babcock called Commodore, it's like, yeah, I see you playing the right side with Nick Lidstrom, you know, all this stuff. So he's selling him this, like, amazing product. And meanwhile, Kami the whole time is going, this guy's going to fuck me over. Right. I know it. I know it. I know it. But I'm going to sign in Detroit because Ken Holland says he wants me. And if he actually plays me with Nick Lidstrom, this is going to be incredible. Well, he got to Detroit, and he never played. He screwed him over big time. And so now, if you go back, and listeners here too, go to Mike Commodore. I, you can pull up his Twitter yeah. page, Donnie. We'll give that in a second. Go there and check out his like last 12 or 13 tweets. He goes on a rant about Mike Babcock. And I could show you text messages between myself and Mike Commodore of bantering back and forth, comparing notes, almost like you did uh, Donnie, to, to how much of a piece of shit that is, Babcock is. Is this guy, is this league-wide people think this about him? That's, that's, that it was going to be my next question because this dude just got a, dude, the, the Maple Leafs are going to be paying him for like four or five more years or yeah, something. They, they signed they, him to a long-ass contract. They gave him, what, $50 million over eight years or yeah. something like that? Lou so, Amarillo was, signed him to a huge was, deal. Is yeah. there anybody in Toronto that you know that he was doing that too? Oh, like yeah, some, all of them. They hated him. Really? Okay. Every guy you talk to in Toronto is like, they were tap dancing on his grave following that firing the other day. And mm. guess what they did, guys? They came out last night and they won 3 nothing. Mm. And the number one thing that they were con- uh, that they were criticized about was they're not good defensively. They give up too many opportunities. And I'm not saying that players 
play to get a guy co- or coach canned, okay? But you do, in, after a while, stop going the extra mile, right? For a guy who's a dickhead to you all the time, yeah. who shits on you nonstop. Well, the Stars showed up that game, and the defense showed up, and they won 3 nothing for their new head yeah, coach. I, I would imagine if, if there's a 50-50 puck in the corner, and I'm going to get there first, which means I'm the guy against the boards, and I hate you as my coach, why am I going to do that? Why am I going to get my ass what, handed to me like it's that? It's still hard for me for to, that guy. to comprehend that because I never, ever, ever was that guy. I was just too competitive. Well, and you got to play. I know I can hear people right now going, you got to play for your teammates, not your coach. Yeah, you do. Um, but I have seen it from guys to where it's not quite the same effort, give a shit, whatever you want to call it. It's not quite the same. But, yeah, these guys, dude, they were celebrating. I had text messages from guys that are there about, thank God this guy's gone. You know, all these things. And Brendan Shanahan had to fire him. Wow. And Which Shanahan is, was, was with Lamarillo. Wasn't that who hired him? Yeah, but Shanny goes back to Detroit. Shanny played for Babcock, too. That year, that first year, it was amazing because of training camp that year, Babcock had come in and started, like, showing video of how shitty Nick Lidstrom had, like, for a shift Again, like when he was playing for Sweden against Team Canada from like the, per- the prior Olympics, and we're sitting there going, "Okay, Nick Lidstrom's arguably one of the top three defensemen to ever skate in the NHL. Why is that your opening presentation?" Yeah, you know. And so guys were kind of taken aback, and then he called a bunch of us into a locker room. It was myself, uh, Darren McCarty, Chris Draper, Kirk Maltby, Brendan Shanahan, Chris Chelios, and I forget a couple other guys too. Oh, Chris Osgood, the goalie. And he basically says, uh, yeah, listen, uh, you know. And it's oh, my God, cock. your lips totally disappeared when you started yeah, acting like that. You know, it's like, <laughs> Perfect. Uh, you guys, uh, you know, I know I know Kenny signed you guys, but, uh, you know, you, you guys aren't on my roster. You know, I don't I, you're not my you're not my guys. I got my own guys that are going to take your jobs. That's what he fucking wow. says. Wow. Whoa. So we're like, are you shitting me? Like, that's your... Uh, once again, this year, hey, nice to meet you. Yeah. Like, imagine, like, th- that's the honeymoon. Imagine what the marriage is going to look like. And so, right then and there, now, obviously, Brendan Shanahan and Ch- Chelios and some of these guys, they carry a lot more clout than Jamie Rivers or Mark Mowers, who was there too. Yeah. But you knew that shit flows downhill. It's going to affect me. It affected Malpy. It affected McCarty. It affected Mark Mowers. It affected Chris Osgood, you know, all these other guys. And so, that's why it was shocking to me. When Brendan Shanahan hired this piece of shit to coach the Maple Leafs. And he was obviously very wrong about a lot of the guys in that locker room. Because I don't know their roster top to bottom. And I knew almost all of the guys that you were just talking about. Chris Draper is like, not legendary uh, Red Wing, but maybe. Of course he is. He's got, what, three or four Stanley Cups? Draper, too? Come on. Yeah, so... I don't want you on my roster. You're too good. (laughs) But that's how he lost the locker room in Toronto. Is he treated the guys like shit. And you have Austin Matthews who's your best player and not even arguably maybe the best future player in the NHL coming up and you're playing him like 15 minutes a game and treating him like a, he's a bag of hammers, you know, and not playing him and then picking his own guys. Cause Babcock is that guy where if he has a player hit, well, I discovered him. It's all about mm, ego Babcock. for Babs. But, but I mean, legitimately dude will sit out the rest of this year. Maybe maybe he'll work out some. That guy will get a head coaching job again soon. I kind of that's right? kind Donnie, of what I was. It sounds like if the if most people don't dig the guy, you may burn some bridges. Okay, well, let me just say this to you guys, and it will freaking ring true so clearly for you guys. Mike Keenan was fired by the St. Louis Blues after he burned every bridge possible. 
guess what? He coached for four other teams after the St. Yeah, Louis Blues. Yeah. Takes a while to snuff out the crappy ones. That's maybe. right. And, and you got to remember here that Mike Babcock, even though you could have put Ray Charles behind the bench when he won a Stanley Cup with the Red Wings, um, he got a cup ring. And then even though you could have put Ray Charles behind the Team Canada Olympic team, Mike Babcock has a gold medal. So you, this thing of, like, he's a winner – Follows him around. You know what? All he is, he's an incredible guy for timing. To jump into the right job at the right time, and he finds his championships that way. Wow. I, do, I don't think much of him as a coach. I didn't think systematically he was fantastic. I certainly didn't like his bench management, and I thought that his overall persona within the locker room was not just poorly received, but guys actually detested it. So that's a bad combo. And dry lips. Do you, <laughs> Very that dry lips. Yeah. yeah. You, you always know how you wanted to like be in the locker room to hear what the players were talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. In that last couple of minutes, I sort of feel like I was there. Yeah, same that way. That's why I started awesome. taking my clothes off. I thought we were all going to shower. <laughs> yeah, that's actually how I met Jeff. <laughs> He's like, Mr. Rivers, can I ask you a few questions as I get in the shower with you? By the way, do you need your back done? You kept saying, eyes up here, eyes up here. It's like, wait hey, a minute. Real quick. Quick, um, tomorrow <laughs> night have a on the radio side on 101 ESPN, uh, the call is going to be done by Alex Ferrario uh, along with Joey Vitale uh, because uh, the amazing, fantastic Chris Kerber accepting award at the, uh, the Musual Awards next door at Stiefel Theater. I'm so excited to hear Alex do this, and I don't even know that dude very well, yeah. but I'm so excited for him to be able to do it. Uh, he you know seems why? like an amazing, amazing human being. And you know why Kerber's getting the Musial yes, Award, right? absolutely. Okay, just yeah, yeah. an amazing Jeff, thing. Hey, Jeff, yeah, tell us about it. One of you guys tell our listeners in case they don't know. That would probably be good so we yeah. don't like keep the secret amongst ourselves yeah. because in the finals, uh, Kerber allowed John Kelly to call the second period uh, in those games so that he could broadcast the Stanley Cup finals. Yeah, really, really cool. Which so, is an amazing thing. Yeah. Amazing. You, you talk about awesome a dude dude. a dude with an ego could not ever no, let that's, John Kelly do that, dude. Yeah, that no. is and an amazing thing. You get in a call on Stanley Cup final, like, we always say, oh, that's his Stanley Cup. Well, that is his Stanley mm, Cup yeah, to, to yeah. be able to do that. Now, the the twist of this, for, for people who don't know, is your regional coverage is allowed your first round of playoffs. So Fox Sports Midwest, last year I was part of the crew, which was awesome. It was so much fun. We got to cover the first round of the playoffs here, you know, everything. Play-by-play, yada, yada, yada. John Kelly, second round, the NHL takes over. NBC gets all the rights to do the games. And so the only way that John Kelly could ever call a Stanley Cup final would be some other avenue to do it. And Chris Kerber recognized that and gave him a chance to call the second period of every game. And now, so in the archives of Blue Stanley Cup Championship because they own the rights to it, obviously, in the archives now forever, both Chris Kerber and John Kelly will have called Stanley Cup final games to a Stanley Cup champion. So, yes, That's Chris Kerber, very deserving of yeah. this. You know, I, I was thinking about this last night while I was watching the game. We got really lucky in the 2000s with the Cardinals. Uh-huh. We saw that team and that organization just continue to rebuild. A guy would leave. Somebody would take its place. There was this locker room presence that the, that the young guys would learn from. Dudes, that same shit is happening for the Blues right now, and it's amazing to see. And I don't mean to be a pessimist. I never thought that I would see it. But they've lost the best one of the best players in the league. Still moving. Yeah. They, I mean, th- this is... 
Whatever happens, happens. They get as deep as they get in the playoffs. I honestly don't care. I am so freaking proud to be a Blues fan right now. And every part about the organization feels like it is is clicking on all cylinders. And it's a really amazing thing to see, man. And if you would come up to the press box, you would see that the Stanley Cup brings you nicer snacks up there. (laughs) (laughs) Very important. It, It is true. Back in the day, it was just a bowl of... You know, uh, Chex Mix, Trail Mix, and some peanuts and some pretzels. Now they're in the tube. Oh, wow. yes. So you dial the thing and yeah, it comes yeah, down yeah. and it's very, it's, it's Well, like they were tired healthier. of watching you pick your nose and then drill your hands into pretzels, Jeff. <laughs> we're getting enough. We're getting, we're, getting, we're getting more alternate jerseys. Yeah. We're getting tubes with the for the trail mix. So the elevator outside the press, or the, the yeah, the elevator outside the press room, they have chairs that you can sit and wait in now. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's an upgrade. It's pretty and amazing, those chairs are yeah. expensive. you got to be yeah. careful. Well, <laughs> those chairs are expensive. But now, yeah. Donnie, to your point about yeah. what we're going through here now, this is, I've been part of the Blues for a long time. This is the best culture I've ever seen. And, I mean, I've been through, you know, the Mike Keenan era, the Joel Quenville era, uh, Andy Murray, you know, Mike Kitchen, a lot of different coaches. Ken Hitchcock, you know, he did a great job of turning this franchise around. Yeah, it's, I agree with that. He's he doesn't exactly, get a whole lot of credit for that, by the way. He's exactly what the franchise needed was a kick right in the nuts to, to sober up kind of thing. And, so he deserves credit for that. But right now, Craig Berube, with this group of guys that Doug Armstrong has assembled, this is the best culture I've seen. And people last year have questioned Alex Petrangelo as the captain. He's the captain of the ship of this team. So this culture ultimately falls under his umbrella too. Ryan O'Reilly, Tarasenko, Alexander Steen, which by the way, I can tell you, Alexander Steen and Alex Petrangelo do not have a feud. They've never had a feud. There's never been a locker room divide. They are two of the greatest pals and friends, and whoever started that rumor is an asshole because it's not true. It was Bob Babcock. It was that? it was Mike Babcock. <laughs> it was. But yeah. Bob, I always said Bobcock. <laughs> you got to be careful. I know. Be careful with that one, Jeffrey. Yeah. I know. That wasn't actually a mistake for you. Hey, do you know anything more about Steen? Uh, well... No. Oh, you I, don't. You know, I, I guess what I should say is, did you ever suffer the high ankle? And because it's a bitch to come back from. It is. Uh, you know, back back in the day, I hate saying that shit, but you know, things were handled differently, and so you had a little ankle problem. They're like, suck it up, Buttercup. Like, right. Come on. What are you talking about here? You know, tape it up. This and that. So yeah, you played through those, and they sucked. And every time you're in the hockey player position, which is you know, in the crouch position, and there's an angle between the foot and the ankle where you have to be leaning forward on your toes when you're skating. Well, your ankle is just being ripped apart, and then let alone if someone hits you or you have to hit somebody, you have to plant that leg or push. It's it's a bitch. And so when they said, "Oh, Steiner will be evaluated in four weeks," and everybody's like, "Oh, he'll be back in four weeks, three to four weeks." No, he's not. Okay, let's be patient with this right now. To your point, the young guys, everything. The Blues are what nine one and. 9-0-1 or 9-0-2 and something in their last 10. Like, they're not in desperate need of this Let's guy. Let's not push him. No exactly. reason to. Yeah. Let's not push him. So if it takes six, seven, eight weeks, and sometimes it lasts for the rest of the season. It does. And there will be a time where Alexander Steen has to play through some pain. I know it for a fact. Um, you know, hopefully people recognize that when that happens because – not a lot of guys get credit for that. Yeah, but you know what, though? I think that that playoff run, I think the last year has taught me a lot about 
being a hockey fan too and a sports fan in general about being patient and about letting things kind of work themselves out and, and how there's chemistry and all these things. And man. that turns like, back to your point about the Cardinals back in the day. I think we're a smart, we're being Blues fans, we're a smarter fan base now and the Cardinals fans are always said to be the smarter baseball fans. I think we're growing up with the sport. The success that happened last year makes us pay attention more and we're smarter fans. And we know when Steen comes back, he's not going to be 100% Steen. Right. You know, you can't jump in and do 20 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever he normally does. I think we're smarter fans He plays fans hard now. minutes too, guys. He gets the penalty kill. He gets the last minute of the game. He gets the other team's top line. So he plays stressful he minutes. He gets the five on fours, four he gets, on threes, yeah. all that stuff. Exactly. He yeah. gets the shit minutes, yeah. you know, that nobody really wants. He gives them to Alexander Steen because you can trust him. But back to your point about how we've grown as a fan base, and I will say this, and, and not knowing until I've gotten on this side of the mic, that a lot of the credit, too, goes to the coverage that's been provided in St. Louis. I'll tell you that. Fox Sports Midwest and you know KMOX last year and that, but now the evolution over to 101 and then incorporating everybody at Hubbard Radio to be a part of it, give their different take, give their different opinion. Guess what? The, the, the media are reaching every single fan. They have a vehicle to somebody who thinks a certain way, and now everybody, you guys included, everybody has a voice now in educating these people and fans about the St. Louis Blues. So if somebody doesn't like 101 ESPN but they love the Ridge show and they hear you talking about it, well, you've just made a connection right. about the St. Louis Blues and you're educating that fan. Donnie, same for you. Your time slot, if they don't want to listen to the Ridge show, and they, which I know they're listening to the Ridge yeah, show. Okay, Jeff? But if they go to you, you have something more. Lux has something. Everybody has something to offer. And that has educated our fan base far outside of just St. Louis and area. People all over the place are learning about our team. And, and we have Kerber on once a week. You have John Kelly on all the time. Is yep. it once a week, twice a week? It's it, normally about once a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's huge. The they're not just thing, over at 101 with us, right? right? The they're, biggest they're, thing that's hitting say, everybody, which yeah. is great. The, I think the, the biggest thing is it's, re, it's not you have to be proud, but it's cool to be a Blues fan. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally it's get cool it, Jeff. to be totally a Blues fan. But you know, though, man. And the Blues fans have the hotter uh, female fans than the Cardinals and all that stuff, too. I always thought the hockey fans had the hotter girls, too. Right? I, I definitely enjoyed. I remember puberty going to the old arena going, hey, there's something here. Yeah. Saturday night hey, hockey hey. is great. Hey, hey. <laughs> I like that whiteout. <laughs> Ladies and it gentlemen. It was a sausage fest back then. It was cold in there. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I do believe that we have reached the pinnacle of what we can accomplish this afternoon. It is the Last Minute Blues podcast. Jamie Rivers from 101 ESPN, former Blue. Uh, Jeff Burton and Donnie Fandango from 105.7 The Point. We very much appreciate you listening. If you know Blues fans that don't listen to the Last Minute Blues podcast, please go ahead and uh, and share uh, the, the podcast with them. We didn't even get to emails this time around. That's okay. So, so we'll save those for next yeah, time. Yeah, Last Minute Blues podcast on the Instagram uh, and then email us at uh, lmbp at 1057thepoint.com. Donnie Fandango, Jamie Rivers, Jeff Burton. Thanks for listening. Go Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home-trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.